Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, another exciting day, another exciting week. Uh, too much Trump every day. He permeates, he controls, he dominates our news. And as you know, the past few weeks, I'm trying to interject and talk about other things because other things are going on in this world that we should know about. And that's my intent tonight, though I may have a little too much Trump in here tonight. In fact, I am going to start with uh, Trump uh, first, and it was not part of the show as I prepared it. But it's been in the news this afternoon. I want to hit on this briefly. Roseanne Barr. She came back after, what, 20 years off television. She came back to an opening night of 18 million people watching her TV show. Well, she uh, put out a racist tweet today. She's a conservative. She's a Trump follower. Uh, She likes Donald Trump. Donald Trump likes her. They are birds of a feather. Uh, She... But she did wrong today, and I was surprised, I was shocked, that ABC and Disney, immediately, within three hours, they canceled her show. The show just started four weeks ago. This is going to cost them millions of dollars uh, to cancel her show, but they did the right thing. You can't put up with a racist, especially on a network such as ABC and the Disney network. Uh, Now... Our president, Donald Trump, sets the standard for the country. This is my point. He is the president. Everyone purportedly looks up to the president. And he sets the way we should behave. And if our president is a racist, and he is a racist, and he's a bully, and he's a bigot, well, then other people who side with him believe they can act that way also. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had Roseanne Barr going on a tweet today and saying what she did or writing what she did because our president fails us. He does not hold himself up as a president should be. Uh, He just doesn't care what he says. He lies. My God. They got him lying already. 9,000, I'm sorry, 3,000 times this year and fact checked says by the end of the year he will have lied 9,000 times. What a standard he sets for the children and grandchildren of this country. Anyhow, she deserved to get it. I'm proud of the TV stations. Uh, And again, it's Trump's fault because people think if he can do it, he's the president, must be okay, I can do it also. Now I want to move on to other things. I want to start with Alberto. Alberto came uh, as the first uh, tropical storm and or hurricane of the year. Uh, Down here in Florida, we're sort of accustomed to hurricanes. Uh, We just had to put up with Irma, oh, shit, September 10th. Irma's only about two or three months away from having the date it occurred almost a year ago. Uh, The hurricane season begins June 1st. All of a sudden, three, four days ago, we're hearing about this thing, Alberto, which is probably going to be, maybe it's going to be a tropical uh, storm, maybe subtropical storm. Doubt it's going to be a hurricane, but you don't know. It may not even make being a tropical storm. Anyhow, so the fear of God is put into all of us, especially after Irma. We've become concerned down here, uh, and properly so. Well, 
decidedly wasn't going to come over the Keys. It went into the Gulf of Mexico, uh, to the west of us here. And other than two weeks of heavy rain, did not affect us at all. And I don't know if the rain even came from Alberto. But Alberto turned out not to be a hurricane. It hit as a subtropical storm. Once it hit land, land decreases. I learned these things over the last 30 years I've been down here. A, a, a hurricane or a storm diminishes in power as it goes over land because it must draw off warm water to become more powerful or stay powerful. Anyhow, it turned into a depression, and now anyone in its path going north of Florida only has to worry about a lot of rain and some wind. And this happens because hurricanes, trackable storms, are fickle. They are fickle, and it's good that they're fickle, that they can't make up their mind whether they're going to hit Key West or they're going to hit Naples or they're going to hit the Panhandle. Do you see what I'm saying? Because they move around back and forth, upside down, inside out. And that's the way it is. But I'm going to tell you something. You still get nervous if you live here and you watch the news and you hear what's going on. All of a sudden, you're, you're watching the weather channels on your cell phone and on the Internet because it gets in your gut. You never know when it's going to twist and turn and come at you again. So that's the story of Alberto. Nothing to worry about. Number one storm of the year, gone. Want to talk about gas prices. Now, you've got to see it happening. You must be feeling it by now. Gasoline here is $3.15 today a gallon. $3.15. It's been edging up, edging up, edging up, and then it slipped over $3, all right? Not right. We had the price of gasoline down to two something. Uh, in some parts of this country, it was under $2, though we never saw it here, okay? Now, why are the prices going up? Well, especially since we now produce more oil than anybody else in the world, even the Saudi Arabians and everybody else, the Middle East, Venezuela, because we've gone to shale to take our oil out of the rock and uh, uh, what's beneath the earth. And that's been working good for us. But the fact that we may be a major producer does not mean we are controlling the price of oil. The price of oil is still controlled by Saudi Arabia, and they lead OPEC. Back in 2016, the Saudis know that they don't have as much oil as they want to keep producing this for more than maybe 20 years from now. 20 years from now, they're out of oil. And that's why they built places like Dubai, so they can have the Las Vegas the, uh, out there in the in the Middle East and make money that way. But they have, they have a diminishing supply. And they also saw the price of oil dropping when the United States started producing more and more oil. So in 2016, Saudi Arabia had OPEC decide to curb oil production. They intentionally did not take as much oil out of the ground as they were, knowing that over a period of time, Okay, the supply of oil would diminish, and therefore the cost of oil, that means gasoline for you and me, would go up. Because when there's a big demand, and there always is a big demand for gasoline, and there's a small supply, the price must go up. Fact of life, economic fact of life. Now, a lot of people, and it bothers me to have to say this, but the truth is the truth, a lot of people are blaming uh, Trump 
for the raise in the uh, cost of our gasoline because of what he did with Iran. By breaking the deal, uh, that is causing oil prices to change because Iran's a producer of oil, too. Things happen there. And make a long story short, that's not true. The experts say that what Trump did with Iran has nothing to do with the increase in the price, maybe to a minimal extent, like three to five cents a gallon, whereas what Saudi Arabia has done is 50 to 70 cents a gallon. Are you with me? So it's only had a minimal impact. He should not be blamed for this. He had nothing to do with it. About time. Uh, This past weekend, yesterday was Memorial Day. This was the Memorial Day weekend. I want to just talk about it very, very briefly. Uh, I learn a lot of things as I go along. Some, I, it's amazing. I'm 82, and there are things I, I don't know. I did not know that Memorial Day got to start during the Civil War. You have to remember, 500,000 Americans were killed in the Civil War. We killed each other, the North and the South. So now we have Confederate cemeteries. We had Union cemeteries back during the Civil War. And people went to pay respect to the war dead, and put flowers on their graves. Initially, Memorial Day was called Decoration Day because of that. Over a period of time, it turned into Memorial Day. Well, point number one, it had its beginnings in the Civil War. I didn't know, so some of you may not know, and I wish to share that with you. Uh, The other thing that has come to my attention is that parades, Parades. You know, we always have parades, Fourth of July, Labor Day. We have a parade. I couldn't find a parade in the Keys. Key West did not have a parade. Almorada didn't have a parade. Big Pine didn't have a parade. Key Largo didn't have a parade. Up and down, up and down the Keys, no parades. And I couldn't understand this. So then I assumed no one has a parade on uh, Memorial Day. However, people commemorate it. For example, here we had, we had at the Key West Cemetery at 8 o'clock in the morning yesterday uh, a memorial service in honor of the war dead, including those who died on the battleship Maine when it got sunk in 1898 in Havana Harbor, we, because we have a lot of the uh, Navy people from that ship buried in our cemetery told you something you might not know. And we also do a big Vietnam commemoration together with all uh, those who died in our wars. Uh, we, The people of Key West put up about three or four years ago, erected a very beautiful Vietnam memorial. There are a lot of Vietnam re- retirees here, and they're proud that they are finally getting a recognition. And the commemoration service was there yesterday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Okay? So we did that. So today, I'm still looking, did we have any parades yesterday anywhere? And turns out we did. There are parades all over the country, in the bigger cities. There were seven in New York City. Queens had a parade. Brooklyn had two. Staten Island had a parade. The Bronx had a parade. And Manhattan, too. So that's the story about why Memorial Day, why the flowers, uh, and the story about parades. Uh, Which brings me to student loans. This you're not going to believe. Uh, student loans are in the news all the time. Uh, and this, this story, I, I, I can't conceive of what I'm going to tell you because I don't believe anyone, uh, anyone with any intelligence would loan out this much money. Anyhow, there's a guy by the name of Mike Mira, M-E-R-A, 37 years old. He became an orthodontist. 
Now he's making money. <laughs> Not the kind of money he needs to pay school loans, though. He owes, you ready for this? He owes in excess of $1 million for student loans. Uh, and don't think he was alone, by the way. The records indicate that there are 101 borrowers, people who borrowed money to go to school, people who made student loans, 101 of them, that owe in excess of $1 million. This is better than going to a bank. Anyhow, he borrowed, he didn't borrow a million dollars, he borrowed $600,506. And that's the principal. Now there's interest. And the interest has brought it up over a million dollars, from 600000 to he owes over a million dollars. He makes his monthly payments loyally. His payments are $1,589.97 a month. You know, $1,600 a month. That's what they want. That's what he pays. But the debt grows even greater every month. He pays on his loan. in interest each day. You heard me, $130 in interest each day. That amounts to $3,900 a month. If he's only paying $1,600 in, uh, he's he's, he's accumulating two and a half times what he pays in in interest debt. The guy's never going to catch up. He's never going to get below a million dollars unless he pays it off. And uh, it's just going to keep going up and up and up. I assume he's living a good life because he's probably making a good buck. He'll never pay this off. His wife even said in a statement I read, we're never going to pay this off. We just live with it over our heads. What can we do? Uh, The government had to be crazy to loan this kind of money, $600,000. I mean, I've seen them loan people $200,000. This is astronomical. That's the story on student loans for today. I want to talk about the power of money. If you have money, many people believe you can do anything you want. Uh, People suck up to you. You can get away with murder, in effect, they say. Well, here's a story, something that occurred in Stockton, California. Uh, The culprit's name, the wrongdoer, the man who was arrested is Lyle Burgess, 79 years old. Stockton, California, Lyle Burgess, 79 years old. Very, very wealthy California businessman. Very important, very wealthy, very influential. He pled guilty to rape of a five-year-old girl, statutory rape, five-year-old girl. This was two years ago. Uh, This girl happened. Her parents were friends of the family. Uh, This is a good guy, 79. He he plays around with a five-year-old girl. And apparently he actually did have sex with her. Well, here, two years later, and this thing comes up for trial. And what does he do? He pleads no contest. Now, most states permit you to plead no contest. You can, be, you can plead guilty, you can plead not guilty, or if you don't want the records to indicate that you admitted the crime, you can plead no contest, which means under the law you pled guilty and you're, you're punished as if you pled guilty, but nowhere did you admit to doing the dirty deed, whatever it was. Besides that, his sentence is absolutely amazing. Rape of a five-year-old girl by a 79-year-old businessman He got 90 days of house arrest. You heard me. 90 days of house arrest. And when he's done with his house arrest, he does not have to register as a sex offender. What a deal this guy got. And at the same time, 
this girl, who's the five-year-old girl who's now seven years old, is into heavy counseling, okay? Uh, she's got all kinds of symptoms from the molestation that don't seem to go away, and the records indicate she's going to have these problems, mental problems, her whole life. Uh, so there, sometimes money does buy you your way out of a bad situation. Want to talk now about Hitler. And I'm going to lead into Donald Trump. This is going to be a great dissertation. You may not agree with me, but I want to talk about this. Hitler is the big lie. Hitler became popular, was able to do all the things he did because he believed in telling the lie. Uh, in 1925, when Mein Kampf came out, that was his book. And he said in his book, because I had a look at it, in Volume 1, Chapter 10, that you lie and your use of the lie has to be so colossal, that's his terminology, colossal, that no one will believe that someone could have the impudence to distort the truth so infamously. Infamously. Uh, in other words, you've got to tell a big lie, not a little lie, because people will say, my God, that lie is so outrageous, no one would do something like that. And the fact that it's so outrageous and no one would do something like that gives credibility to what Hitler uh, describes as the big lie. More people, Hitler said, will more, and I quote him again, will more readily fall uh, victims to the big lie than the small lie. Now, so Hitler's bit was, he says, you tell the lie, you repeat the lie, and make sure it's a big lie, and eventually the people believe you. Now, let me give you an example of this. Uh, the Jews, because he did a number on the Jews. When he first started talking about the Jews, we're going back to the late 1920s and the early 1930s, uh, he started by blaming World War I on international Jewry. Okay, he blamed Jews all over the world for World War I. Then he moved into the Jews were the real powers in Britain, Russia, and the United States going to be his enemies, he knew, and he wanted the people, his people, Germans, to know it was the Jews in these countries, in our countries, those three countries that were causing uh, whatever bad things had been happening to the Germans. Finally, finally, he told his people that the Jews had become, extru had become involved in what he called, and I quote, a war of extermination against Germany. They were out. The Jews, even though they were German Jews, were out to do the German people. And, and he sold it to them. He repeated it and repeated it. He arrested them. He punished them. And he justified it because it was so ridiculous. The people bought it. It was repeated, which made it sell well. Okay. He ended up making his people, the German people, think, okay, that they had a duty, the German people had a duty to exterminate, that's his word, exterminate, and annihilate, his wording again, annihilate, the Jews in self-defense, 
so the Jews would not be able to hurt the German people, even though they might be Germans themselves. Now, a lot of the things he does, or he did, Hitler, uh, Trump seems to do also. Now you say, how could that be? Well, let's first go to Ivana Trump, his first wife. Remember Ivana? Uh, he said, she said, not he said, she said in an interview she gave to Vanity Fair in 1970. I'm sorry, I, I apologize. Yeah, and no, in 19, 19, 19, 1990, I apologize, 1990, that her husband Donald kept a book of Hitler's speeches next to his bed, kept a book of Hitler's speeches next to his bed uh, on his nightstand. And the book was called My New Order, My New Order. It was a compilation of Hitler's speeches from his earliest days up to 1939, okay? And his speeches ran a certain gamut and said certain things. And he said... Uh, he said, amongst other things, uh, you know, do the big lie. People will believe it, et cetera, et cetera. There was a professor by the name of Bruce Lobes. Uh, he's the professor emeritus at Idaho State University. He spent a career of 36 years studying Hitler and the way he spoke to people and was able to convince people. And everything I've told you so far is based uh, on his findings also. And he said, people were most willing to follow him, meaning Adolf Hitler, because he seemed to have the right answers. Donald Trump has the right answers. Okay, now, which brings me to this. We are in the news for the last several months and recently again with uh, stand, don't stand, our football players, the NFL. You know, I believe history repeats itself. No question about it. Some people learn from history, good. Some people learn from history, bad. The NFL, the national anthem, kneel, don't kneel. Trump's influence continue. Not soon to be resolved. The NFL's recent proclamation, race stand or remain in the locker room, added fuel to the fire. A similar situation, follow me, my friends, existed in Nazi Germany. Involved German football players standing before a game, shouting with outstretched arms, Heil Hitler. It's Christmas Day, 1933, Metz, France, M-E-T-Z, Northeastern France, Metz, France. A German team, the Karlsruhe, Karlsruhe, K-A-R-L-S-R-U-H-E, football club, were playing a French team from France in Metz that day, Christmas Day, 1933. Anti-German tensions were already running high in France, even in 1933. Uh, the French government sensed that this game was a riot in the making. They thought there would be a riot, and they were trying to control. They wanted to prevent a riot from occurring. So they asked the German team not to stand and put their arm out and say, Heil Hitler, because they did this before every game. They stood in the line, Heil Hitler. Because if they did, the French team said, because we're afraid of the riot, we're not going to play against you today, and you're not going to get paid the German team would receive no compensation. Well, the German club capitulated to the French demands. Hitler was furious. You know, Hitler didn't give in to anybody. He was never wrong. 
A German newspaper described the situation as, and I quote, footballers in disgrace. My God, footballers in disgrace. Hitler banned all German football teams from playing outside Germany till further notice. Hitler's influence was obvious, as was the fear of him by the German Football Association. What do we got here today, the NFL? Well, the German Football Association issued a written mandate to the teams. And it said, in effect, the teams were to expel Jewish players. The players were required to give the Heil Hitler salute before and after games. I repeat that. The players were required to give the Hitler salute before and after games. And swastikas were to be displayed in the stadiums. This, my friends, I would refer to as forced patriotism. And I, I, I consider, you know, telling our black football players they, uh, they can't kneel to protest racism. They're not showing disrespect to the flag because Trump has made this. You're good citizens. You know, you, you stand before and put your hand over your heart when they play the national anthem. Now, I'm going to ask these questions. I ask, was Trump aware of the German football problem when he came out with the national anthem position? Don't forget, he had that book, his wife said. He used to read it at night, speeches. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if Hitler wrote a speech on this. I couldn't figure it out. In any event, does the NFL stand in the shoes of the German Football Association? Are Heil Hitler and standing for the national anthem both examples of forced patriotism? Are the two events, Heil Hitler and standing for the national anthem, comparable in any fashion? All right, I told you about the 1990 Vanity Fair interview by his wife. Now, again, I don't know if the book My New Order contained references to the Heil Hitler football problem they had. I sense, though, I sense this. i got to be frank, that the NFL Neil or no Neil national anthem problem is history repeating itself. It's Mets. Christmas Day, 1933, and the proclamation that Hitler uh, issued thereafter, the mandate as to what the players were to do with regard to Heil Hitler's Heil Hitler, rather. Uh, some readers, some of you who are listening, are going to disagree with me. I'm sure. Uh, I can see. I'm going to get written comments on this. I'm sure of it because if you're a true diehard Trump fan, he wouldn't do anything like this. He's copying Adolf Hitler, and they will distinguish Hitler from the national anthem. Uh, the German players not having an alternative to remain in the locker room, Trump not being Hitler, and so on and so on. Well, here's what I've got to say to this, because I do think that the, he, he had to have known about that, and he drew on that, uh, and that's he being Trump, and that's this. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and acts like a duck, it is a duck. It is a duck. And I just got a feeling Trump was aware of that football game because it was probably in the speeches that uh, Adolf Hitler had listed in that book, which now, which now brings me to LeBron James. LeBron James. I, I, I am a basketball fanatic, just like I'm a political junkie. I'm a basketball junkie. I played. I was a poor player, but I enjoyed playing. I follow college basketball big time. I don't particularly enjoy pro ball. I rarely watch it except in some of the playoff games and the finals. 
uh, because it's not the same kind of ball as college ball. The, the kids in college are not as good. They've got to work harder to score, I think. Be that as it may, I watched the last two games, uh, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. Both games were won by the Cavaliers. They've been behind. And I want to tell you something. This LeBron James is the greatest basketball player I have seen in my lifetime. He's better than Michael Jordan. It's absolutely amazing. 46 points one night, 35 another. He's popping those baskets in with all kinds of people on him from almost half court, some of those three-pointers. He's blocking shots. He's assisting in the last game when they were on him three guys at a time. He passes the ball to one of his teammates. Unfortunately, his teammates in the last game were not very productive. He carried his team for four quarters and won the game for them. And they said it. Absolutely amazing. Greatest basketball player ever. God bless the man. Well, that's the show for tonight. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I especially hope you enjoyed uh, the Hitler part and the Trump comparison, uh, the National Football League, the German uh, Football League, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I've got a lot of other things I'd like to talk about, but I never seem to have enough time. Many of you who listen to the show, and by, by the way, every week more and more people listen. I love you people. Thank you for listening. Uh, I, I, uh, my, 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 my block of listeners has expanded dramatically. The show is archived. Most of you listen, or, listen to an archived version. I do it at 9 on Tuesday. You can get it anytime you want off keywestlude.com, and you can listen to the show. Uh, my book's out there yet. It's still selling, not as well. Uh, let's get on the ball. Those of you who haven't ordered Irma and me, please do. You will enjoy the book. Trust me. Other than that, thank you again for being with me tonight. I look forward to joining with you next week. Good night.